1: Greetings, humans. You have entered the Command Zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy
2: your stay. Happy birthday, dear Command Zone.
0: Happy
2: birthday
0: to us. us. We it's are- the third birthday we are three years old wow we we passed our
2: terrible twos (laughs) we're done throwing temper tantrums when did we hit our three-year anniversary Uh, i think it was like the 14th or something of july like last last week really oh geez actually it might be like today as we're recording it Uh, i think it's tomorrow technically
0: Goodness. Happy pre-belated birthday, if that's the term. Unbelievable. Three years. Did you ever think when we started this thing that we would still be going three years down the road? I thought we'd be done in 100. Turns out there's still more Commander to talk about. We're on our way to 200. We're getting there, slowly but surely. Not as fast as we did the first year because of all the two-episode weeks.
2: (laughs) Yeah, we're not doing two episodes per week anymore. (laughs) Yeah, that was
0: crazy times. Uh, But how's it going, everybody? You are watching and listening to the Command Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. And today, we are going to bring you an Hour of Devastation special, because, uh, you know, we've been getting a lot of tweets and a lot of messages about the gods, play them on game nights, how would you brew this god, how would you do that, so
2: we're going to do exactly that. We are brewing with the new gods. Um, You know, we thought it'd be fun to sort of talk about a part of the process maybe that doesn't get as much play, right? So we're often talking about decks that are complete. In fact, we're often talking about decks that are more than just the first time they're complete. They've been tweaked, they've been tuned, because you know, obviously we want to talk about our best decks, the stuff we're very confident of, stuff that we've tested a lot, uh, and we want to show you guys those things, but today we thought it'd be fun to discuss a deck idea that's not yet fully fleshed out. Now, we've done this maybe once before on the show, Um, so I have an idea for a deck, and it's basically, it's a very... JLK idea. It's basically to play all the Hour of Devastation gods, the Locust God, the Scorpion God, and the Scarab God in the same deck. Now, is it five color? Probably. probably, But maybe not. It's Grixis otherwise, right? It has to be Grixis for sure. But, you know, my philosophy is well, if I'm already going to be playing my commander as a hidden commander within my deck, you know, in this case, maybe three commanders are hidden within the deck, then. You know, I have the opportunity to add even more colors beyond just the colors I want, and that a lot of times that's one of the advantages that doing that gives me. Of course, the other obvious option is having the original Nicol Bolas as your commander. <laughs> that's actually a, a really good point, and and possible. We'll talk about that. In fact, this episode is going to be about sort of just dis- discussing, you know, honing in on the ideas and the decisions that go into crafting an off-the-wall deck, and also just sort of crafting the deck for the first time. Learn how JLK built today on the Command Zone.
0: But before we get into it, it's time to talk to you about our sponsor, CardKingdom.com, to support the show. It's really easy. Just go to CardKingdom.com slash Command Zone. That's the affiliate link. And when you buy your singles, when you buy your locust slash scarab slash scorpion god slash new Nicol Bolas Planeswalker, you can get it all from this website. And you know what? It's going to ship to you really fast. It's going to support the show and use the affiliate link. Just thumbs up everywhere.
2: Yep, you definitely want to be ordering that stuff right now and your sealed product, because if you're like me, you like to crack boxes. In fact, oh, yeah. if you haven't seen our unboxing video, you should check that out. Uh, we have that same concept where we crack packs until we open an invocation. What are you going to do now that the invocations slash masterpieces aren't going to be set? I have set? no idea. <laughs> I'm a little bit worried about it. So if you have any ideas about how what a concept should be for our unboxing videos moving forward, since there's not invocations anymore or expeditions or masterpieces, what's the overall term for all of them? Uh, uh, Masterpiece. Uh, yeah, I think master. No, that was that was for. Dang it. They are expeditions. <laughs> anyway, whatever that overall term is, they're <laughs> not doing <laughs> You know what else is special and shiny? Ultra Pro, which is shiny? our second spot. Yeah, have you seen those awesome like gravity dice oh, or the true. heavy metal dice that they gave away at our uh, command zone gathering? Those those dice are some of the things that at the table I get the most compliments or comments about whenever I pour them, pull them out. And the the gravity dice come in that really cool cool like metal case. So as soon as you take them out, people are like, what the heck? Where'd you get those? Looks so cool. Yeah. Um so those that's something to check out. And definitely Ultra Pro is a big sponsor of the show and one of the reasons that it keeps happening. And The last way to support the show is directly at patreon.com slash command zone. You can contribute directly to the show. You can set monthly limits. You can contribute as much or as little as you like. In fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode, and this episode is dedicated to Alyssa McGill. Uh, Alyssa, nice. you rock. You rock. Thanks for
0: supporting the show. All right, let's move right on to the new episode, Brewing with the New Gods. Uh, so if you haven't already i would suggest you go back to episode 151 the deck building template where we talk a lot about the basic philosophies of building a deck as well as provide a template for sort of any new starting deck um, and of course as always we're just going to sort of skip over the really generic good stuff so cyclonic rift is going to go in the deck most likely Vidalcan Orrery better go in the deck by the way i've heard that card has shot up in price recently
2: you should grab them now then because that card's really good. We've been telling you for a long time. Yeah, or hope it gets reprinted in C17, which is coming up very so. soon, yeah. Yeah, obviously it doesn't make a lot of sense for us to just sit here and be like, put Cyclonic Rift in, play with Soul Ring. Obviously those cards aren't going to be something that are interesting to talk about or reasons that you build decks. Yeah, and we can't talk about the Prophet the Kruphix every episode anymore, so... <laughs> so the new gods are sweet. Yeah. And uh, I think a deck based on all three of them is possible. So... When you want to do something like this, and I remember, what what year was the experience counter uh, commanders? Was that twenty fifteen? So Commander twenty fifteen had all the experience counter commanders, and I I remember at that time a lot of people were sort of tweeting, emailing, commenting at us about building a five color deck that had all the experience counter um, commanders in it, and it ended up being not a great idea in my estimation. <laughs> and one of the reasons was because of each of those commanders and what it did didn't seem to be to sort of relate or revolve around, you know, the same thing. And it made it very hard to build a cohesive deck that was wanted to do anything focused in any way that they all wanted to do. Like Mizzix wants to do something totally different than what, say, Daxos wants to do. And there's hard to find any overlap between those two. So the question, the first question is to ask is, is this even a good idea? are the three gods going to be good in a deck together? And I think they are, but let's read them really quick. So sure. uh, we can start with, go, yeah, go ahead. Yeah.
0: Oh, by the way, they are, it is the Masterpiece series. Okay, yeah. that's what it's called. It was Inventions in Kaladesh. Oh, Inventions. That's right, Invocations in Amonkhet. All right, so the first god we're going to talk about is the one that I'm most excited for. It's the Locust God. This one, of course, it's all on the card. It's on the card. This four, is the most
2: powerful of the three as far as EDH is concerned. Yeah,
0: four blue and a red for a legendary creature, God. Doesn't say locust, surprisingly. It's a 4 4 with flying. Now, whenever you draw a card, create a 1 1 blue and red insect creature token with flying and haste. And for two, a blue and a red, you can loot, draw a card, and then discard a card. And every god is going to have this text, specifically from our Devastation. When the Locust God dies, return it to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So that's their version of Indestructible this time around, where it's not going to stay on the board through a wrath effect, but if it dies at the end step, next end step, it's going to go back to your hand so you can recast it.
2: Um, so quick recap, Locust God, every time you draw a card, you make a 1-1 flyer with haste. also has the ability to loot for 4 mana, so that does draw you a card, which makes a 1-1 flying creature with haste. Uh, very powerful. The next one is the Scarab God. It's three, a blue and a black for a legendary creature. God, five, five. At the beginning of your upkeep, each opponent loses X life and you scry X, where X is the number of zombies you control. And then you can pay two, a blue and a black to basically eternalize something out of a graveyard. So you exile target creature from a graveyard, can be yours or your opponent's. And then you create a token that's a copy of of that creature card that you exiled from the graveyard, except it's a 4-4 black zombie creature token. And then it also has the same Rider Clause that the other ones do. If it dies, you return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. Um, So this one is a little bit less straightforward, I'd say, than Locust God, in that it cares about zombies in its first text. It drains your opponents and then makes you scry for that amount. And then it also does create zombies by sort of... What did you call that? I guess eternalizing. From eternalizing, a great, yeah. Graveyards, yeah. Sort of like half-resurrecting stuff. Or in some cases, I guess it could make things bigger. Or you know, if you resurrect an Oracle of Moldiah, it's actually a 4-4, not that that matters. <laughs> um, you
0: get Enter the Battlefield Triggers abilities as well as you get to do some graveyard hate. Yeah. Which
2: is kind of cool. So it's a very powerful effect, but well, we'll talk about how maybe it overlaps with the Locust God in a second. And then the final one... Is the rock, the scorpion god, three, a
0: black, and a red for <laughs> a 6-5. Really? Oh, I've been seeing pictures of his face plastered on That's the scorpion awesome. god. Great movie. All right. Uh, legendary creature god, it's a 6-5 five for five mana. This is the best one in limited by far. Whenever a creature with a minus one, minus one counter on it dies, draw a card. So that is just universal. If another opponent has a creature with a counter on it and it dies, great. So persist creatures, take a look out. Uh, for one, a black, and a red, you can put a minus one, minus one counter on another target creature. And then the same rider, when the scorpion god dies, returns to its owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. So, looking at all these cards, though, Josh, they're so very different, but they all share a little bit of similarity here.
2: Yeah, so the scorpion god, obviously... All, all the gods work with themselves. So the scorpion god wants things with 1-1 one, one counters on it to die, so you draw cards. And it also puts one, negative 1 one counters on stuff, so yeah. it can sort of power itself. Um, so you look at these three, and, and what I'm looking for, if I want to put all three in a deck, is ways in which they work together, or similar effects. Like, what one card Mm -hmm. would matter to all of these gods or two of the three gods, maybe? Uh, Rather than, you know, you could think of a lot of cards that would just matter to one of the gods. Like a zombie. Any zombie will matter to the Scarab God. But it won't matter necessarily to the Locust God or the Scorpion God. So you're trying to figure out is there enough stuff that synergizes with all three to sort of make a deck like this viable? So, let's look at this is overlap, right? But I want to know, how do these gods overlap? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is they all kind of work with doubling season. Yep. That's so, why
0: you'd want to play four colors, five colors here. Because. So
2: we'd already maybe want to play green, yeah. Because um, two of them make tokens. So the eternalized tokens are tokens. The locust god makes 1-1 one, one flying haste tokens. And the scorpion god uses negative one counters, which also works with doubling season. So like, doubling season's just one card, but... I'd say generally in Magic, if you can find one card that overlaps in that way, there's going to be some other cards that have to do, you know, in that same space. There's very few cards in Magic. There are some, obviously, that just like, they're the only things in the whole game that's ever dealt with these specific things. Usually there's a bunch of cards that fit into that space, but they just deal with the same sort of mechanics or or little pieces of the game in different ways.
0: Doubling Season is a special card because of that, because it's the, the language is very specific but also very broad, and it covers a lot of different things. Parallel Lives, much less so. It would not affect the counters that the uh, the Scorpion God is putting on the stuff.
2: Still does affect two out of the three, though. It would affect yeah. the tokens on both sides. Anointing Procession is another one. There's stuff like, uh, is it Primal Surge? Yeah, Primal
0: Surge, the yeah. one that uh, Jason not told everyone to get.
2: Yeah, he was right, as was usual. Right. Yeah, I got a bunch. Um, yeah, so... Okay, so that's one
0: way they overlap. Two of them have text that's related to drawing cards. So the scorpion god draws you a card every time something with a negative one counter on it dies. And the locust god is just wants you to draw cards and helps you loot. In fact,
2: those two, if they were both on the battlefield, you could put a negative one counter on the locust and it would create another locust and draw oh, you a on card. Oh, on the little but creature? You, yeah, yeah, what would happen is you that creature would die. You'd draw a card. And because you draw a card, you make another locust. You've drawn
0: infinite, not
2: really. You need mana. You need a lot of <laughs> mana, but that is an interaction where they work together. Yeah. So, yep, they both have to do with drawing cards. Um, the Locust God loots, so it puts cards into your graveyard, and the Scarab God wants cards in your graveyard so that it can eternalize them. A little so, bit
0: less of a real connection here. Yeah, I because think that's, I think you don't always want to be exiling cards out of your own graveyard. I think Scarab God's best when you're doing other stuff, but sometimes you just need to get out, you know, a giant ten drop for four mana
2: yeah or just the effect on it or whatever um and i I think at this point in the process it's not really that helpful to worry about how powerful you think any single thing is right it's just you just want to list out all the stuff that may or may not overlap Uh, so you sort of have it in your bag of tricks for later um this is something you pointed out when we were doing the set review jimmy and Mm -hmm. it actually is really good for this type of deck it's the fact that they all have that if it dies clause return it to your hand at the beginning of the next end step. So if you've listened to the show, I guess I should lay this out for people that are newer, where I like to build decks like my Nekusar deck, and we always get asked this question because we'll talk about my five-color Nekusar deck, and people are like, five-color Nekusar, what is that? That's a deck where I put a five-color general in the command zone, so it's chromat, but inside the deck is Nekusar and a whole bunch of other effects that are similar to Nekusar. So I basically built a Nekusar deck that's five color because Nekusar's in the 99. Yeah. So it's really a Nekusar deck because it behaves and functions in the way that a Nekusar deck behaves and functions, but is not the commander. Um, this works in Nekusar because there's so many things over the course of Magic that do what Nekusar does. Uh, there's Underworld Dreams and Howling Mind, which are basically the two cards that is sort of a combination of, and there's mm-hmm. many iterations of those two cards throughout the history of Magic. So I don't have to worry, like, I play Nekosar, it gets exiled, and now my deck doesn't work. But you do have to worry when you build decks like this with other cards that don't have that redundancy of effect. But with the gods, they're pretty tough to get rid of. Yeah. You should always have access to them. Obviously, they can be exiled, exiled from the graveyard once they get there, but there are this is just way safer it feels like way safer and
0: getting them another way they can get rid of them is like having you discard them but i've not found that discards a very popular theme in commander in general so in general i think you're always going to be reliably making sure these gods can come back
2: yeah so and if
0: someone steals it there's i mean we'll talk about this later but this deck wants a lot of sack effects yes
2: exactly uh okay another way that they overlap all three of them have activated abilities. That don't cause them to tap. So this is something that many cards refer to. And again, we'll talk about this, but just activated abilities is a thing in magic. So it can be a theme of your deck or a sub theme. Um, and then the last <laughs> one, and we sort of already touched on this. Yeah. If you, you got infinite
0: mana, you got 99 problems and uh, well, mana is not one of them.
2: Yeah. these All the gods work really well with either a ton of or infinite mana. Uh, obviously, you need some colored mana mixed in there, but Locust God can basically draw your entire deck and make that many one-one uh, flying haste things. I'm pretty much gonna win you the game. Yeah, Scare God a little less good because you have to do some work first. Graveyards have to be kind of full, but you once graveyards have a lot of stuff in it with enough mana, you can just sort of eternalize everything. Uh, you can do your Rise of the Dark Realms, you know, yeah. oh sort gosh. of impersonation and bring everything back. It's all four force, but if there's enough of it, who cares? Yeah. Um, and then the Scorpion God is not as good as far as winning the game, but it can just gun down everything and draw you a ton of cards if you have enough mana. So, so we're looking at this list, and I'm gonna go over it again really quick just so everybody's on the same page. They all work with Doubling Season. They are tokens and counters based. Two of them have text related to drawing cards. The Locust God can put things in your graveyard. The Scarab God likes stuff in the graveyard. They all have the if it dies, return it to your hand at the end step clause. They all have activated abilities. And they all work really great with a ton of mana or infinite mana. So those, and there might be some other things too. Um, those are the things off the top of my head and when looking at it for a little while sort of came to the forefront. And so at this point, what I like to do is say, okay, what are some classification of stuff or categories or what I would call packages of cards that are going to hit a lot of these A lot of these cards and do what I want to do what what are the pillars of this deck that I can build it around Mm -hmm. you know because you're going to have some one-off effects every deck's going to but you really want to build your deck based upon some pillars of types of effects so like Hapatra is built on the pillar of stuff that puts negative one counters on stuff right Rishkar is built around the pillar of you know putting plus Plus one counters counters, on stuff Yeah, Nekusar is built around the pillar of making everybody draw a lot of cards. And taking damage from it. Yep, and then the second pillar is everyone takes damage for either cards in hand or when they draw cards. So what are the pillars of a deck built around all three gods? And you want to
0: have the pillars because you're not going to, it's not like your gods are your commander. You're not always going to have access to them. If you draw one of them, you're going to want to make sure the cards that you put in there still work with it. It may not be ideal. Maybe the card you drew is the best with the Locust God, but it's not going to be a dead card in your hand just because you drew the Scarab God first.
2: That is the excellentest of points, which is that your pillars need to be working with any one of the gods by themselves and hopefully even better if you have multiples. Yeah. So there was one big pillar, and you want that pillar to be good. You want those cards in that pillar to be good on their own. Uh, because otherwise, you're building your building on a weaker foundation, right? A weaker yeah. pillar. You want it to be strong. And, and I think we came up with a good one. Well, this is one of your favorite things that you love. And this is just a next. great effect in magic. And therefore, the fact that it works with the gods pretty well mm-hmm. is just... Uh, tells you right away, I think that the, the deck is viable. So it's Wheel Effects. Spin the wheel. So Wheel Effects, for those that don't know, uh, we base that name on the card Wheel of Fortune, which is two and a red. And it says each player, it's a sorcery, it says each player discards their hand and draws seven new cards. So this is a classification classification of card because many cards in the history of magic have sort of duplicated this effect in different colors for mm-hmm. various types of mana. Uh, and and we'll often call wheel effects things that are slightly different. So like winds of change, some people will call a wheel effect, but that's slightly different, right? Winds of change, you actually only draw. shuffle your hand yeah. back into your library and then draw the amount of cards that you had. So it's two things about it are different. You're not discarding your hand, so that stuff's not going to the graveyard, and you're not drawing seven. Yep. You're drawing the amount of cards you have in your hand after you play winds of change. And everybody else is drawing the amount of cards they have, in their hand when you play Winds of Change. So it's not like a set number of cards. I think for this instance, we want only the wheel effects that put things in your graveyard because the wheel effects are hitting two of the gods very well. They're hitting the Locust God, who cares about drawing cards, and the Scarab God, who cares about having a bunch of cards in the graveyard.
0: Yeah, very important for other people to put their hands in the graveyard here because if you're just making everyone, even though, Windfall, or sorry, Winds of Change only costs one red. That's not the that's not the point.
2: (laughs) Yeah, because it's not actually synergizing with anything except one god. Yeah. Whereas Windfall, like you accidentally Freudian slip, but you're correct. Yeah. Windfall does basically do what uh, Wheel of Fortune does. Yeah. There's a lot of these. There's um, Dark Deal, Whispering Madness, Reforge the Soul. There's also creature versions like Magus of the Wheel. Yeah. Uh, And this one is a, a really good one partially because it can come out the turn before the god comes out and then be activated the same turn that you
0: play the god. Yeah, one thing you don't want to necessarily do is discard the god from your hand because that's not going to trigger the effect to get it back to your hand at the end of the next end step.
2: Right. Um, So Memory Jar is a card where you play it. It's a five-drop artifact, Then you can tap and sacrifice it, and everybody sets their current hand aside and draws seven new cards. And at the end of the turn, they discard those cards that they drew, anything they couldn't play or didn't play, and then they Mm -hmm. pick up their original hand back. So you're basically causing a bunch of cards to go to the graveyard. And at the time you do it, you're drawing those cards and you have access to a bunch of cards for that turn. Um, This works really good with the Locust God, just because the turn you play it, you could get seven, one, one flying haste things for zero extra mana after you play it. Pretty good. Yeah. So the wheel effect to me is the pillar of the deck because it's also card draw. Yeah. So we're overlapping with what is one of our always present main pillars of the entire format, right? We always talk about every deck needs card draw and mana ramp. Well, if one of the pillars of your deck also sits on the same place as the pillar of every EDH deck, now all of a sudden your, your overlap is just great. Yeah. So my card draw is actually synergizing with normal stuff in my deck. It's like now I just have so much more room to do cool other stuff because I'm instead of two pillars, I've got one big one. Not to mention wheel effects
0: in general are just good. If you're using the most out of them, if other players don't synergize with their graveyard that much or if they've just drawn a bunch of cards, a wheel effect is a great way to equalize stuff. And also just give you a lot of fuel for your scarab god.
2: Screws up their plans, too. Like if they're building towards one certain effect in their hand. Yeah. It's, it's just so good. Uh, Seeing someone tap out for a combo piece and knowing that they're holding the other one, it's like you're just ready to drop a wheel effect. Uh, so the second pillar, and again, we're setting these on this, the mana ramp and card draw, right? Because what do we say? They all work, all the gods work with um, tons, of mana. tons of mana or infinite mana. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I want to rewind really quickly here. And Terry, you can just leave in this little mistake. But the other great thing about wheels, to rewind really quick before we go on to the infant mana. It's Mankind's Greatest Invention. <laughs> is it that or fire? Oof. It's a tough one. Fire wheels. I mean, you're a red player. You got to say fire, right? That's true. But Wheel of Fortune is a red card, so. One of the other great thing about wheels is, remember, we're playing a deck where the commanders are actually inside the deck. Right. So what does a wheel do? It helps you find. It, it it digs through your deck very quickly. And so if you don't have one of the gods in your opening hand, if you do get one of the wheels, you're going to go seven more cards deeper. Yeah. And you have a good chance of finding one of the gods. And if, then if you don't, maybe you found another wheel and you can go seven cards deeper again. And so it just has a good chance of helping you find the cards that you need. Not to mention
0: if you, you know, this next category we're talking about is tons of mana. If you're able to just drop your entire
2: hand and then have a wheel and draw back up to seven... It's pretty good. So good. So yeah, it it synergizes with everything we're going to do. So let's talk about the tons of slash infinite mana generation category. Maybe we should rename pillar to monolith like the monolith the of this monolith deck. The monolith
0: of this deck, I like it. Yeah, well, so there are tons of ways to go infinite mana in EDH. A lot of times it's very much just colorless, but uh, you know, Basalt slash Grim Monolith are both mana rocks that are cheap to cast that give a lot of mana, but they don't untap unless you do a certain clause, like or like a mana
2: vault. But if you have something like Power Artifact, Rings of Bright Hearth. Yeah, mana reflection. So there's a whole bunch of ways to go infinite with Basalt and Grim Monolith. Um, And because we don't know what colors we are, we don't know who the general is, we're kind of open at this point to, you know, any of these sort of extreme amounts or infinite amounts of mana combos. And you'll notice we haven't even talked about who the commander of the deck is yet because we're going to decide based on what effects we want in our deck. Yeah. And so And what colors have to be in there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I really want these, this package of, you know, for my infinite mana generation package in the deck, and that requires these colors, so that's mm-hmm. going to steer me towards this general or what, whatnot. So, yeah, Basalt and Grim Monolith, Power Artifact, Rings of Bright Hearth, infinite untapping type of... That creates co- infinite colorless mana. Um, another package might be the Palancron stuff. Yeah, right?
0: Palancron, This is just, like, known for going infinite. Right. It's just a giant illusion that when it enters the battlefield, you untap up to seven lands, and then you can bounce it to your hand for four mana.
2: So... It costs seven to cast, it costs four to bounce it, but you're on tapping lands when it comes into play, seven lands. So normally that's just going to create seven mana, but if you can ever make it so that your lands are tapping for like double, so there's all kinds of combos, right? Just like Mirari's Wake, Mana Flare, Zendikar, Resurgent, they all make your lands tap for twice as much mana. Now all of a sudden you can play Palancron, bounce to your hand, play it, and it's possible to come... come out ahead on the transaction.
0: Right, if you untap seven normal lands and you tap them for double, you get 14 mana where it takes seven plus four, 11 mana to bounce Palancron back to your hand and and cast it. So you're gaining three mana each time. And if you do it correctly, you can make it any combination of colors, as long as you're making four total blue, two to cast Palancron and two to bounce him.
2: You can also do it with high tide. There's some other ways to do it, depending on what colors uh, you've got available to you. So that's another like very common infinite mana, tons of mana. Mm package
0: another way to make a ton of mana is untapping things like your basalt grim monolith with fate stitcher cure follower uh you put in crosum restorer which is one of my favorite uh, untappers there's also gilded lotus is crossing Restorer restore the one with um threshold yeah threshold so, so threshold with the wheel effects yeah exactly what like that's a great synergy so threshold it can tap to untap up to three target lands if you have seven more cards in your graveyard which you should have if you're playing a lot of these wheel
2: effects so and Restore is something where like, especially if you have like bounce lands, now all of a sudden maybe you're tapping and Restore, you're untapping three lands, but that's actually creating like four or five mana. Mm-hmm. And then with that four or five mana, maybe you're powering something, you know, like a Staff of Domination, or maybe you've got an aura that allows you to use a mana, like Pemin's Aura or something, to untap the and Restore. So one of the mana you're creating is untapping the and Restore, but you're gaining four. Right. Um, yeah, Synod Artificer, Artificer? Yeah. Is another creature it's two and a blue um, it either taps to you tap X and tap it to tap X target non-creature artifacts or and this is the important one you tap X and tap it to untap X target non-creature artifacts so you can start untapping your gilded lotuses and your monoliths and then if you use some of that mana again to untap the cyanide artificer and do it again you can these are these loops you get into fate stitcher does it too obviously Cures follower yeah Um, So this is a package of stuff that's sort of like getting, going into crazy shenanigans with just untapping and tapping the same things over and over again, including your lands. Yeah, and Kaidel, you put down here as
0: well, if you're gonna be drawing a ton of cards every single turn with wheel effects, or if you're just going nuts with the Locust God, then Kydell is going to tap for a ton more mana. So,
2: Yeah, I put a question mark by Kydell, and part of the question mark was, should Kydell be one of the commanders? Oh, that's right. It'd In which case, commander. you partner it with the other colors you need. You'd be relegated to four colors maximum at that point, but maybe that's fine. Um, probably won't do that because I built a Kydell deck and I didn't find it super fun because it kind of played out the same every time. But this is a possibility for a deck like this that wants a ton of mana, Kydell does have a ton of ways to go infinite on mana. Yeah, totally. Um, and then I put gemstone array, question mark. Because if you go the, the monolith plan, the grim monolith, basalt monolith, un, infinitely untapping, you're going to end up with infinite colorless mana. But all the gods have colored activated abilities. Right. So the fate stitcher plan and the palancron plan both give you infinite colored mana. These are far from the only infinite mana packages, too. There are many in the history of Magic. There's, like, World Gorger combo, dragon yeah. combos, and and all kinds of crazy stuff where you create infinite mana. These are just kind of off the top of my head. I would suggest Googling how to make infinite mana in yeah. Commander, and boy, will you find yourself
0: satisfied with the number of answers you get. There's tons.
2: I would say I would lean towards the Fate Stitcher Cure's Follower plan, and you might be able to actually sort of combo that or, or pair it with the Grim Monolith untapping plan because... They all have to do with activated abilities, which also the the gods do. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of the cards that might synergize with those cards are also gonna synergize with your gods. Like Rings of Brighthearth is a card that's gonna synergize with the gods' activated abilities, with the Cure's Follower and Fate Stitcher activated abilities, and that's a card that also synergizes with Grim Monolith, Basalt Monolith, and that kind of stuff. Things like Illusionist Bracers, we'll talk about some of these cards later, but that's sort of where I'm leaning for the package as far as infinite and tons of mana. Yeah, um,
0: makes a lot of sense.
2: Again, we're just in the planning phases, so maybe that's not what's going to be chosen, but that's where I would sort of lean at this point. Well,
0: fortunately for us, both of these first pillars slash monoliths are great because they fit into our two most important things you need to put in every EDH deck, card draw and mana ramp. So if they're already synergizing with your commander, you're going to be... I mean, it's going to be a more fun experience, that's for sure, I'll say that much. Just because the deck works. It's not just like, I'm just card drawing because I need cards. It's I'm card drawing because... Some of these cards are really important for making, like my Locust God just gets turned on every single time I do card draw.
2: Yeah, I think it's very possible that you could sort of wheel a couple times, get the Locust or maybe even the Scarab God into your hand with one of these crazy tons of infinite mana type combos out. Play the God and on the same turn, activate it infinite times. Yeah. And maybe you just eternalize everything that's been put in the graveyard from the wheel effects. That's not going to instantly win, but you're going to have a crazy insane board at that point, it's going to be like, listen, you guys got one turn. Good luck. Yeah. You know, And if it's Locust God, maybe you could even win on that turn. Scorpion God, you could just shoot everything down and draw a ton of cards and be a, sitting pretty. So uh, all those play patterns seem pretty strong to me. Yeah. And- all
0: right. Yep, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say the next pillar is, of course, finding your actual commander because if there are three of them are buried in the deck, you're going to want to grab them out as soon as possible. So, of course, you have demonic tutors. you got pretty much all the tutors if you want to use them. Worldly tutor is a creature tutor specifically. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do like enchantment tutors like you would with the uh, the Theros gods because they were enchantment They're, creatures. Yeah, because these guys aren't enchantments, yeah. But still, there's plenty of creatures that can do it, like Captain Sisay, you wrote down here, is a great person to go find yourself a legendary creature. There's also Thali's Lancers.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. White. Enter the battlefield, uh, find yeah. a legendary. Captain Sisse stands out to me because if we're already leaning towards this activated abilities thing, yeah. Captain Sise is an activated ability. It would also work with Illusionist Bracers and Rings of Bright Hearth and some other things we're probably likely to have in the deck, in which case, go get two of Oof. my gods. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, not to mention if
0: you just you know have other legendary creatures in there. For instance, if you did play Kaidel in the 99, you could
2: also find her out as well. Yeah, so. Fate Stitchers and Kiora's Followers also synergize there. So Captain Cizze seems, seems like a shoe in um, Get in there. So Seems like we really want to
0: play... Five colors with Captain Sissi, yeah, green yeah. and white. and it,
2: th- that'll be a consideration. Maybe we don't because we are we don't want white. At the moment, I don't see a lot of white in the cards that we've yeah. talked about. Maybe like Anointed Procession and Captain Sissi are the only two cards we've mentioned that have white. Is that true?
0: We have, We didn't even announce Anointed Procession,
2: I don't think. Yeah, we just talked about it a little bit with the doubling season thing, but yeah, yeah. you're right. Um, so, so maybe white is on the like, just on the outskirts of like, maybe we don't need it. Yeah. Um, so you found your commanders. Another thing these decks always need is to keep their commanders around. Now, we talked about how these gods naturally like to s- stay around because when they die, they come back to your hand, yeah. and they're just harder to get rid of. But there are, like you said, people steal stuff, people exile things, People can exile stuff from graveyards. That that one's the scariest and I'm going to worry about the least. But as far as like it's on the battlefield and now it gets exiled, that's horrible. Yeah. So Or it gets stolen. That's awful. So I want to protect myself from that stuff. And Path to Exile and Swords to Plushers are very commonly played in this format. And they're put into decks so they can get rid of gods. Yep. So, so we need some sacrifice effects because that's going to save us from paths and things like that. And I want, ideally, my sacrifice effects to be free. Yeah. So that I don't have to hold mana open? What if they gave you mana? That would be ideal. What could possibly do that? Both of the altars, Ashnods
0: and Phyrexian. Ashnods gives you colorless mana, Phyrexian gives you colored mana. So this is another way to go infinite with mana generation uh, because you know there's a lot of... We were talking about this with the Locust God. If you have one of these altars out or if you have like, a skull clamp out, you're just essentially sacking things to make more mana and then using that mana to clamp something out. You know, There's a lot of different things you can do
2: here with these altars. But most importantly right here, you can protect your commander, but I like what you said because they do synergize still. So if I eternalize something, and but I, you know, and it just sort of gives me extra mana on the following turn because of the altars—that's good too. Yeah, um, Goblin Bombardment is another one, Ugh. which is a way to sort of get past some effects like Propagandas and things that wouldn't allow you to attack or make it tough to sort of win games. Um, and it's only a two mana spell and too, stuff like that. Ugh. Yeah,
0: it's super powerful, especially with the Locust God.
2: So those are... Goblin Bombardment, we should say, allows you to sac creatures to deal damage. Uh, astronauts and Phyrexian allow you to sacrifice creatures to create mana, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. either colored mm-hmm. or colorless, depending on the altar. So those are sort of some ways... And again, we're not going to talk about every sac effect. You know, I might add in fewer or more. Mm-hmm. Those feel like they're definitely in. Do we need more or less? Who knows um, at this point? But there are many to sort of choose from. The next category is... I'm just calling Ideas in the ether. So these are just... At this point, we sort of know we want the things we've talked about. We want yep. wheel effects as our card draw mostly. We want to create a ton of mana to activate our abilities a million times. We want to be able to find our commanders, and we want to be able to keep them around so they don't get exiled or what have you. And now we're in the situation where we're like, okay, that's that's sort of the basic stuff we need. Now there's a bunch of stuff we could have, and we're going to have to try and decide which of it we want to do, what's sort of better or worse, yeah. because there's a ton of choices. Um, so these and is it
0: good enough? That's that's the big question. I really like that you wrote that here.
2: Yeah, is the stuff good enough to do? Because there's a lot of stuff you can do, but is it good? I don't know. And does yeah. it overlap with multiple gods, or does it seem to work together? That's going to be a consideration. Is it in the colors that we're thinking? That's a consideration. So these all these ideas are swirling around, and we're just going to go over some of them without knowing at this point which ones we're going to choose are actually going to go in the deck. So, I think this one has to
0: go in the deck though. This is a card that I thought about as soon as you mentioned the idea to me. It's Training Grounds. So, th- we're talking about stuff that deals with activated abilities. Training Grounds is a one blue enchantment that just says activated abilities of creatures you control cost up to 2 less to activate, and this can't reduce the amount of mana to something to less than 1 mana. So, at the very least it goes down to 1. But, you know, this was in your Kaidel deck. This was in your uh, Vile Smasher. Thrasios, yeah. so good with Thrasios, yeah. And it really makes a huge difference because the Locust God costing four mana to activate is a lot, but two mana is not that much. Scarab God costing two mana is absurd. And even making uh, the Scorpion God cost two mana is really good, even though it can't take all of the colorless away. It's not full value out of it. All the colored away, yeah. Yeah, but it's so great. It's like this affects every single one of the gods, and it makes your game plan that much smoother for just one card and a one mana spell
2: yeah so um there's another sort of there's an artifact that's similar to training grounds called heartstone it just reduces the activated abilities by one hearthstone heartstone hearthstone heartstone heartstone, heartstone? heartstone? heartstone. <laughs> this was printed all the way back in uh what
0: was this yeah legends or something stronghold
2: it was pre- yeah it was, i'm pretty sure it was printed before world of warcraft even existed but um <laughs> These cards do seem very good. They deal with activated abilities. Again, if we're going to have other things, too, with activated abilities, like Palancron, that's an activated ability. Right. Um, things like that, then all of a sudden it gets even better because our cross synergy is great. So uh, what's the other card that I put in there? Illusionist Bracers. Oh, so we talked about this already. It's similar to Rings of Bright Hearth in that... It copies an activated ability but this one has to be equipped onto a creature so it can't copy the grim monolith yeah. Basalt monolith stuff this is the only one that i'm kind
0: of not potentially all the way in on just because it costs three mana to equip and yeah. i played this in a lot of decks i always want to put it in a deck because it seems very powerful but it usually just is a little too clunky to really get you the effect that you want
2: there are certain cards that it's amazing on though if you get it on a fate stitcher oh yeah then all of a sudden you can untap as many things as you want because the fate stitcher for those that don't know, Fate Stitcher is a creature that you tap it, and you can either tap or untap a permanent. Well, if you put Illusionist Bracers on it, you can either tap or untap two permanents. One of those permanents can be the Fate Stitcher itself. Yeah. So now you can untap everything on the board, uh, because you tap the Fate Stitcher to untap something, and the Illusionist Bracers copies it, and you untap the Fate Stitcher. Now it's untapped, you do it again, you do it again, you do it again. That's easy infinite mana combos. That's um, great. You can just untap. You can make infinite mana with this It works with Cure, Cure's Follower in the same way, and, you know, even something like Captain Sisse or whatnot, you know, and is it really bad to put it on the Scarab God and basically eternalize two things for the cost of the same cost? It's no. pretty It's pretty good. Yeah, especially if this is late game, oh my gosh. But I hear what you're saying. It might not be efficient enough, so it's a maybe. Mm-hmm. It's a maybe. And also, if we're not going down the activated abilities route, then all that stuff maybe doesn't doesn't apply again it seems at the moment that we're leaning towards activated abilities but maybe not here's another category token doublers we already talked about this we talked about doubling season parallel lives anointed procession i put in parentheses sliver queen here because i think if you're going this route some people are
0: cheering at home
2: yeah i think if you're going this route then sliver queen could possibly be your commander even though it's not a sliver deck right because that makes tokens, and all of a sudden, if I'm already going to have Doubling Season, Annoying Procession, Parallel Lives, Primal Surge, all things that double the amount of tokens I get, and some of them double the amount of counters of plus any of uh, mm-hmm. plus one, negative one counters I get. Sliver Queen is, uh, you pay two generic mana, and you make a 1-1 Sliver, and you can do that as many times as you've got mana, so it, it works with, with one of our other pillars, which is create infinite mana. Mm-hmm. So, that's and a possibility.
0: You, yeah, if you've got Goblin Bombardment in there, too, or if you're playing Skullclamp, which you should then you are off to the races.
2: Yeah, I think you got Anointed Procession out, you Locust God, you wheel, you make 14 1-1s. One wow, you're you... making a sliver deck without slivers. Yeah, and then People you get into the... Strangely. Of course, if you do the sliver queen thing, you might get into the situation Well, like, I may as well, I may as well have put a couple slivers in there. So that's yeah. a slippery slope that I'm worried about, similar to the Kaidel thing, whereas if I put Kaidel as the general, then all of a sudden I might be sort of it might be hard for me not to make a Kaidel deck out of it. And if I put Sliver right. Queen at the, at the helm, it might be hard to not make it into a Sliver deck. But that is an option. Yeah. And then if you're going to do tokens anyway, do you want a bunch of token payoffs? Or maybe even if you're not going to do token doublers, the token payoffs might be good enough. So I'm talking about things like Perforos or Impact Tremors, yeah. which both sort of ding all your opponents when creatures come into play. Well, Eternalize uh, from Scarab God and the Locust God I mean, think of the Locust God with the wheel effect and Purphoros out. See, that is nuts, right? That is one of the
0: most powerful things you can do in the deck. However, I think that the token payoffs is, it's like almost taking two steps away from one of the pillars, and at that point, you're like holding on by a little string. You're like, hope this works, because this doesn't really work very well with the Scorpion God. Uh, doing the
2: token payoff things, Purphoros it is definitely- It could work very well with the Scorpion God, though, if you had the Locust God out, right? Right. So- we do that thing when I'm talking about where you put a negative one counter on your Locust God, Just or sorry, on your locust, locust. It kills it, draws you a card, and then that makes another Locust trigger Perforos. Do it again, do it yeah. again. If you had infinite mana... Again, is that a pie-in-the-sky idea? Seems like it is. Well, I mean, saying
0: like having... So you have to figure out like how often can I get infinite mana? Because if it's a very attainable thing, then I think you can really dream big with this deck. Because if you're like consistently always making infinite mana, then all of these ideas are that much better. Um Perforos is an incredibly powerful card. And I think it is a good include in this deck. But then if you're having to cut cards and you're like Perforos or Goblin Bombardment, I would be like, keep Goblin Bombardment, get rid of Perforos. Yeah, one's just going to be way more good in more scenarios. Yeah, the same goes for Mana Echoes here, which is incredible with the Locust God. Mana Echoes is a card that gives you extra mana for every creature type. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, it, for every creature type that shares a creature with it, with it, you get more mana. So with the Locust God, you're just pumping
2: out more and more mana because you're getting more and more locusts. And you're using that mana to maybe activate it and draw more cards, make more locusts, get more mana. Um, But you're right. If that's not like, if if making a ton of tokens is not the main goal of the deck, then maybe you don't. Yeah. Um, I put metallic mimic in, which is just, if you name insect, right? They're flying insects. Yep. By the way, I want to call out something, which is that there's this really cool nickname for the Locust God that somebody was saying, and I don't know who to... Uh, oh, right. Give we were it. trying to find out on Twitter. I tried, and I couldn't figure out who's it, who's it's from. Um, but the nickname for the Locust God is Niv Cricket, <laughs> which I just think is so good. So whoever came <laughs> up with that, kudos. I wish I knew who you were. Yeah. I found out it's not... Brian David Marshall, who I immediately assumed it was because he likes nicknames like that. It's not uh, Jason Alt, who's the person I originally heard it from. Niv Cricket is so Niv funny. Niv Cricket. Um, anyway, sorry to, to derail you, but if you name Insect with Metallic Mimic, then now all of a sudden you're making 2-2 two, two Flying Haste, and it's a two-drop, Metallic Mimic is. Oof. Uh, that seems, again... But is it worth it? You could also name zombie, obviously for the eternalize. Right. right. Uh, but for, the difference between five five and four four not as big as one one and two two for a flyer. Yeah.
0: And it's also like, are you in a creature heavy meta? Are you going to kill people by swinging at them in the air with your haste guys, or are you often propaganded out of the game so you have to sack them instead? In which case, Massalic mimic is just not that
2: great. Yeah. Good person. point. Um, yeah. Then there's just the plain old normal pump my token stuff. So coat of arms. Yeah. Uh, is pretty good with the zombies or the really good with the locust. I put Crater Hoof Behemoth. Hey, we could be playing green. Why not? Well, also, you can eternalize it with the Scarab God. <laughs> That's right. You could eternalize someone else's Crater Hoof Behemoth. Yeah. That's a really good point, too. Do I need something like Crater Hoof, or am I, can I have a decent chance of finding it or grabbing it from somebody else? Right. Um, but again, you could loot it away and then eternalize it the next turn on a mm-hmm. you know, way before you would normally be able to cast it. That's a possibility. So, okay, we've got... So, so far, we've explored activated abilities, token doublers, and token payoffs. And, uh, but there's a whole nother way. I'm all about go. this one. You could go with Mill.
0: Yeah, so Mill works obviously very well with the Scarab God, uh, but it also works really well if you're trying to, like, you know, essentially dis- sacrifice things. Ultra of Dementia is incredibly good. So Ultra of Dementia is just a card where you sacrifice a creature and a target player uh, puts a number of cards equal to that Creatures power from the top of their library into their graveyard. So, if you're making infinite mana and you're propaganded out and you don't have like a goblin bar with Locust God, it's like, well, I can just Ultra of Dementia someone out because I can just
2: make. Or Scarab God with uh, unlimited mana, right? Because you eternalize something, sacrifice it, Ultra of Dementia, that mills more stuff. Now I can eternalize more stuff, mill you more. Yeah. Yeah. And you can also eternalize away the problematic shuffle my graveyard into my library stuff. Right. So you can sort of... You, listen, it'll take longer. When that trigger's on the stack, <laughs> yeah. you can snipe it out of there before it gets shuffled in. Yeah, they'll still shuffle, but now they don't have the Blightsteel Colossus the next time that you yeah. go to mill them out. Um, yeah, Altar of the Brood is another one which any time permanent, another permanent enters the battlefield under your control, then everybody mills one. Yeah. So it's, that could be And they're co- so
0: cheap. It's one mana, two mana to play these spells. And
2: with their Locust God, you could... Pretty easily put seven to 14 locusts out in one turn, and now all oh of a sudden, gosh. if you've got infinite mana, you're just eternalizing. And every time you eternalize, that makes everybody mill one. Uh, so that's kind of an engine. Pretty crazy. Um, so, so that stuff seems pretty good. Then there's just pure mill stuff like mind
0: grind. Yeah. X blue, black. Each opponent reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal X land cards and puts all cards revealed this way into their graveyard. So if you mind grind someone for like 20, you're just getting their whole deck. Basically. <laughs>
2: also, remember, our deck already wants to create infinite mana. Yeah. So this could just be a win condition even without the gods. Yeah. Again, depending on if somebody has a, um, a blight steal or... There's, a, there's creatures and effects in the game where if they hit the graveyard, they make you shuffle your graveyard into your library. Mm-hmm. Which sort of saves you from mill, but with the eternalized scarab god thing, you can at least make it so the next time you do it, they can't. They can't do that. Basically, you want to talk about Magic Christmas Land?
0: Yeah, here's so dread summons x black black sorcery. Each player puts the top x cards of their library into their graveyard. For each creature card put into a graveyard this way, you make a tapped two two black zombie creature token. But what if you had Fate Stitcher with Illusionist Bracers on it? You can untap all of them.
2: Yeah, that would then... be sweet. You'd need um, you need uh, haste, but I think anger is a good. Um, oh, yeah. Candidate right to go in the deck because you're already Wheel of Fortune. And Anger is a card that if it's in your graveyard and you have a mountain, all your stuff gets haste. So yeah. I think Anger is probably an auto include just because of eternalizing stuff and it's easy to get into your graveyard. Also, you can loot it away with the Locust God. So. Yeah. Not to mention, it's
0: great with Fate Stitcher and any of those untappers. The fact they can activate their ability when they come into play is huge.
2: And Dread Summons, again, if you're creating infinite mana, you can mill everybody infinitely. And even if they shuffle their graveyard back into the library to avoid it, you're still going to get a million zombies. So they make a lot of friends this way. Yeah. So okay, Mill's another way to go. I don't know. Maybe it sounds fun, but yeah, it does, sack them all to Ultra it, of Dementia. Oh my goodness. It really only synergizes with the Scarab God. It doesn't synergize that much with Locust or Scorpion. So no. I sort of. But if you are going, to... but it is very powerful, right? Yeah. And and it actually synergizes with the infinite mana better than the other stuff does, right? So it's, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at this moment. Um, if you're going to do mill, similar to if you're going to do token doublers, you want token payoffs. Well, if you're going to do mill, you probably want some dredge or graveyard type shenanigans. Yep. So now we've already got wheel effects, putting a bunch of stuff into our graveyard. If we if we add on to that with a bunch of mill stuff, do we want like splendid reclamation?
1: Get rog monster?
2: Back. Yeah. Maybe. You know, every time Crucible? I wheel, do I want to draw an extra card with Gitrog, or then then eventually do I want to just put all those lands that have hit the uh, graveyard onto the battlefield yeah. with Splendid Reclamation? I mean, are you playing Crucible in this deck then too? Yeah, that's or a... the new Crucible random up Excavator from Hour of Devastation. Everyone pick them up. Life from the Loam. Are we going as deep as like Dakmore Salvage type stuff? Which you know, it's a land that hits the graveyard, and now I can dredge when I want to and self mill. This not, is not the bad idea. This is where you sort of fall down the rabbit hole and you're not this is where a lot of deck building for me comes in it's like too many ideas and it's hard to know which one to hone in on um i do agree with treasure cruise though and dig through time right so the next area is not is sort of just it's not dredge it's just graveyard recursion type stuff or playing with my graveyard so treasure cruise is great in any deck that's just going to be self-milling a lot and wanting to draw a lot of cards. Yeah. Well, Sometimes you just hardcast to it, too. Why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Dig through time, same thing. Then what about Past in Flames? Mm. I'm going to have a ton of wheel effects in my graveyard. Past in Flames gives them all flashback. Music's is Mastery? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, then what about, like, Geth? Geth is another card that does very similar things to the Scarab God.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. It steals stuff. But in this case, oh, man, you could just build a deck around Scarab God Geth. Yeah. Where you just steal everything well, out graveyard. Yeah, Geth
2: is absolutely in the Scarab God deck, right? Um, but Geth works really good with infinite mana. Yeah, very good So, point. yeah. Uh, anger we talked about. Genesis is another one um, that is a creature that's, when it's in your graveyard, it kind of allows you to get any other creature out of your graveyard. Yeah, you get the, at the beginning of your upkeep. If it's in your graveyard, you pay two in a green, and you can return the, a target creature card from your graveyard
0: to your hand.
2: So that allows you, in those instances where maybe you had to discard one of the gods or something else important's in there that you want to get out, uh, Genesis could allow you to do it. Um, Here's an interesting one. It's uh, hunting grounds. I've always had this this on my radar. So this is also a thing that I do when deck building. I don't know if you do this, which Mm. is at some point, I just kind of try and throw in the cards that I've always wanted to use, and just see if well, is this the deck where they finally make it? Yeah, and this Hunting is one of those cards. A... <laughs> Anytime it says threshold,
0: I'm like, oh god, the threshold is so good on this card. <laughs> oh, but I usually don't have threshold when I want to
2: play it. This card only has threshold; it literally does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's an enchantment for a green and a white. It has threshold, so it only works if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard. Hunting grounds has. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, you may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. Whoa,
0: that's actually pretty sweet. I mean, look, you play Hunting Grounds turn two, turn three, you wheel, and then you just start dropping gods from your hand if you drew well. Yep. (laughs) Seems pretty good. Yeah, not to mention there's a lot of threshold cards that also let you get cards back from your graveyard. So, you know, you could play a threshold deck if you're going to go dredge slash graveyard. That's a little, uh, I think, I mean, we're
2: definitely going into the, time to dream big. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But... You know it's maybe fun. maybe it, it, it also depends like a lot of these plans don't have as many creatures as some of the other plans right so if you went in one direction then maybe that card's really good because i have a ton of creatures in that build right but in this other direction maybe i don't have a lot of creatures and so therefore honey ground is not as good because i'm just unlikely to have a lot of creatures in my hand yep uh and then the last thing was do i need my own shuffle my graveyard into my library type effects so do I want blightsteel original Kozilek original Ulamog there's a few other Eldrazi and those type of cards that have that clause if it you know is in your graveyard you shuffle your graveyard into your library uh, there's different ones that sort of some shuffled only themselves some shuffle the entire graveyard you want the entire graveyard to go yeah, you if want you want it right it's it's my own mill protection am i going to accidentally mill myself out Hopefully uh, not <laughs> It usually doesn't happen uh so i usually don't worry about it but if a deck was dedicated towards self mill and stuff you might you might be worried about it yeah um okay and then this the last category is just like other good stuff so there's always going to be a few cards that you're like this card is so good it's probably going in the deck but doesn't really fit in a specific category skull clamp
0: we've talked about a few times already obviously just one of the best cards you can put in this deck yeah with
2: the locust god alone even without the locust god Card. But with the locus God, it's ridiculous. But yeah, even with just the Eternalized part, I think it would be fine, because with Sack Outlets, you could still yeah. turn those Eternalized creatures into cards. Thrasios is a card. By the way, buy some Thrasios. I'm putting that card in like every deck. You know, just buy the the, the
0: Partner Commanders. Yeah, true. I think. I think they're all just just great worth.
2: Thrasios is nuts. Thrasios is an incredible card. It Basically, he just starts going into every deck I have that has Simic, um, and... Well, he me... ramps you, too. Yeah, and, and Thrasios is great with a lot of mana or infinite mana. Right. And which the deck is already trying to do. Right. He's one
0: of the few cards where its activated ability is just straight colorless mana. Yeah. Or so it's generic mana.
1: It's
2: four generic mana. You scry one, and then you reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, you put it on the battlefield. Tap. Otherwise, you put it into your hand. If you have unlimited mana, you put all your lands on the battlefield and draw your entire deck. Whoops. Uh, you. Don't, yeah, I mean, obviously, you don't have to do that. You can just put most of your lands and draw most of your deck. But... That card can sort of win by itself with unlimited mana, which we're already trying to do. And it's also just good value otherwise in a deck that's just creating a ton of mana as one of its pillars. Yeah. So I really like Thrasios in the deck. Um, Oh, a new card from
0: Hour of Devastation, Mirage Mirror. Now, this is one of the cards I think I'm just going to put in every single
2: deck I own. (laughs) So uh, we got an email recently from um, DJ who runs Jumbo Commander, which... To my shame, I was not super familiar with that channel before, but as a result, I checked it out. Very cool channel. I would uh, encourage you to go check out Jumbo Commander on YouTube. And he recently did a video, and this is the reason why I put it on the list. His because I went, we heard about him. I went over to his page. The top, his most recent video was sort of an EDH review of just this card, Mirage Mirror, <laughs> which I'll read real quick. It's three mana for an artifact. You can pay two, and Mirage Mirror becomes a copy of target artifact, creature, enchantment, or land until end of turn or land. Yeah. It's crazy. So, I watched his video, and I, I you know, I had thought Mirage Mirror is going to be pretty sweet, but man, DJ came up with a ton of crazy stuff you can do with this card. It, I think you're right. I think this is like a, it's just one of those staple cards. It, it does insane things because it turns into something, and then it, it's not that thing after that turn. So, if you turn it into even like just a basalt monolith, yeah, it'll untap. It so untap. it just gives you one extra mana. That's just a that's just a mana rock for that turn because it costs. Two to turn it into a basalt but that taps four three mana vault or something <sighs> um not just that though it can do things where it's like oh i want i want another doubling season right now because i have one oh. out <laughs> two yeah, mana i got point. another doubling season yeah. and now yeah, yeah, i yeah. play something uh even more crazy stuff i don't want to i don't want to steal dj's thunder you should go over to his
0: channel and well, check it's out what's great it's like it can fix your mana because it can change into a land or change into an opponent's chromatic lantern or also, an like, enchantment creature. The fact that it does artifact creature enchantment or land is absurd.
2: Dark Depths because yeah. it won't have the counters because um, it gets the counters when it comes into play. Yeah. So you just get meritlage. Uh, oh man, it's just a really good card. Mirage yeah. Mirror is just one of those shenanigany cards that
0: just—it's absurd and limited too. Like, yeah. And I'm sure it's going to be really good in, in even standard.
2: It's one of those cards that's just gonna do things that you didn't even think of. You're gonna have it in play, and you're gonna look around. And you're gonna like, holy crap! I'm yeah. gonna copy your thing, and yeah. then watch what happens. Like, yeah, and it, it breaks the format in a really interesting way in that you can have two of things you never would be able to have, like doubling seasons and things like that. So, right, right. Uh, that's just a card that you know. I, I, it's worth it. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would go really well in general with a lot of the shenanigans that you know you're trying to. You're yeah. trying to have go on. So, the
0: last thing I put in here is you can put a lot more wipes in this deck because your gods are coming back to your hand when they die, but
2: uh, the people's creatures won't. Yep, and, and you get in the want graveyard. It. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you'd want like a lot of destroy all creatures type of deals. If there
0: was a deck for Bontu's Last Reckoning, it'd be this one because you're making
2: infinite mana all the time, or a ton of mana, and so. you're making it with mana rocks and creatures. Yeah, and you're and untapping you can, your lands you're with creatures. Yeah, that's a really good point. It might be really good for a lot of the uh, doesn't untap, uh, your lands don't untap, yeah. next turn type stuff. Okay. Whew. This is a hard episode. <laughs> you know, this is like, we, th- you have to talk about more cards than for a normal, regularly tuned deck, because you're not just talking about the cards in the deck, you're, you're talking, talking about a bunch of cards that yeah. could be in the deck. Yeah. Um, okay, so now we've explored a bunch of different ideas for how the deck could work. So, Jimmy, let me ask you, what do you think? Which way would you be leaning if you were building this deck? Just, just
0: I'm leaning towards a, one of the four colored commanders. I think something like idris maelstrom weirder might be really fun mm-hmm. just because That's the whitelist yeah it's the whiteless one so you won't be able to play the white cards but you do have grixis plus green so you get your doubling season shenanigans also you get just double cascade mm-hmm. so it seems pretty good oh, i'm mean, sorry you just get you get single cascade but i mean like I don't know, like you're already playing huge spells with a ton of mana costs. The, you could you could cascade from a god into another god because there's six mana, five mana spells. Oh, that'd be so
2: sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Play my Locust God, get, get my another Scarab God. god. Yeah, <laughs> and, and
0: I feel like every card in this deck has so much value that you would just want to cast almost everything you get off of it. Because we were talking about wheel effects or mana rocks. Mm-hmm. Or like doubling seasons, you know, like all of these cards are all so synergistic. I think just the faster you can get them out onto the board, the better, especially because the gods are all six mana, five mana plus. They're already expensive to get out. So you want to get really, you want to be able to like booms, accelerate into it as fast as possible.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I like that option. I'm sort of leaning towards Sliver Queen the more I think about it. Yeah. And activated abilities because Sliver Queen has an activated ability. It also makes tokens. So I could put in some of the token stuff, but not a ton. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it's not the like problem that. with Sliver Queen is you put Sliver Queen in your command zone. Everyone thinks it's you're one of those. Yeah, they don't care what you say. It's like you can say that I my Mystics is really Goblin Tribal all you want. People are like, that's fine. After I kill you, I'll look at your deck and yeah. verify whether that's true or not. <laughs> <I'm> not going <laughs> to let you get away with that. Otherwise, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I have a feeling that if I put Sliver Queen out, that would be the response, which is like, oh, really? It's not a Sliver deck. Well, after I kill you, well, I'll verify that. I'll check that out. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe you can just play Chromad again. That's true, but it feels like a missed opportunity to not have, because there's enough commanders that would synergize with what the deck's doing that, you know, there's not a commander besides Nekusar that really cares about you drawing a lot of cards and dealing damage for it. Yeah. Yeah, so... You can go Kaidel Vile Smasher again. Yeah, I did that yeah
0: i mean if you're going like the route of i want to sack stuff to kill people with goblin bombardment or just like ping people down Vile smasher is pretty good uh, and Kaidel of course will i think Thrasios
2: t-. would almost be better yeah yeah just because but i already have oh, then, you know, that's true Thrasios. yeah that's true
0: that just seems to be a very good shell
2: yeah that is a good for shell. a lot of different strategies yeah i mean if you're gonna create infinite mana that does seem like a good shell but yeah uh i don't know what do you think that's it's time for our to the listeners what do you think about this deck Whoa. Do you think it's even a good idea? It might be a terrible idea. I don't know. Which way would you lean in as far as what effects would you put in it? Mm-hmm. And um, on a side note, like what are your own brewing techniques? How do you go about making your own decks and sort of going about this process? Is it similar? Is it different? I think one of the great things about this show is that you can go through the comment section on any of our episodes that are sort of like this and just see a bunch of different takes and perspectives which is on great. what we talked about, which I've often gone through the comments and found things where I'm like, oh, I'm going to incorporate that now, or that's a really good way to look at things or think about things. That's and how we
0: found out about Jumbo Commander. There you go. Yeah, and Dev. A lot, lot of awesome channels. That was one of our my favorite comment sections to read through. It was like, you missed X, Y, and Z. I'm like, I didn't even know they existed.
2: Oh, yeah, the the um, the Community, Community spotlight, spotlight episode. Yeah, again just great to have you guys commenting and sort of sharing your knowledge and your thoughts about stuff. So I would encourage you to do that. I would also encourage you to go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone, which is our affiliate link. And if you use that affiliate link, you will be supporting this show and things like game nights and making sure that it continues to happen and we're able to do it and keep the lights on and whatnot. And you want to be ordering all these gods because even if you don't build the three God version you probably want to build the one-god version. Or the
0: two-god version, yeah. honestly. I could see a god doing it without the scorpion god. because yeah. you know who? The scorpion
2: god is almost like you could build a de- deck without it, but it's one card, so you might yeah. as well just be like, I'm playing all three, even though the yeah. scorpion god... And, hey, that's a criticism you could say about this episode. We did not discuss stuff that synergizes with the scorpion god that much.
0: It's true. I mean, but here's the thing. You just play... Uh, Scorpion God, and occasionally it just is the best card in the game. Yeah. Like, it's one of those cards that it's like, oh, the fact that you can just minus one, minus one something is
2: really good. Really good. <laughs> Especially if you have infinite mana, and you just. See? See how cool that looks? That's what, yeah. Okay. Awesome. You know what else is awesome?
0: <laughs> Ultra Pro. go to segue. You know what else is, uh, you know what else is, uh, you know what else is, yeah. You know Ultra Pro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what else is shiny? Ultra Pro. I was like, huh. Segway Man, like, stopped in his tracks, was Segway like, hold Segway Man
2: up. is really mailing it in today.
0: He's, like, kind of, like, giving you the side eyes. He rolls past, like, what was that? Well, Ultra Pro our other sponsor, obviously. They, you know, they came on during... I can't even stress how, like, cool it's been to work with them. Um, I remember having sort of the... Right now, I'm on a Disney show. You've worked for Disney. We've always had this sort of, like, the... Oh, the, the man! We're working for the big higher-ups. And Ultra Pro is, like, a huge company within the card game and collectible scene. But there's no like villainy to them at whatsoever. They like are dedicated. We've met them in person. We've gone to their play like to their to their warehouses and stuff. They helped us print our first playmat. Like they couldn't have been more helpful and kind and like generous and wanting to better the community around them as much as possible. So I mean, like they've been a great sponsor. I've I've had the blast working with them so far.
2: Yeah, and you can see that from the Eclipse sleeves, right? They had yeah. uh, a lot of criticisms criticisms over the years about their sleeves, particularly and they took that to heart and they were they fixed that problem and now they have the best sleeves that there are so yeah and who knows how long it
0: took them to figure that out too i mean even the company that makes that many sleeves if it took them that long to figure it out like you know more props to them for taking the time and our research and development to making the sleeves and they came out with new colors and they're always replying on twitter to people so
2: yeah yeah they're great and we're appreciative to have them as a sponsor if you can pick up any of their products it really does support the show all right it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Jimmy, I, uh, we should've talked about it last week, but the show's out now. The show is out now. In fact,
0: the entire block is out now. If you own cable.
2: <laughs> if you own cable.
0: If you own all of cable. If you have the Disney networks, right? Which yeah, most people do. Yeah, so it's do. the Disney networks. So the Disney Channel has second channels, and one of them is Disney XD. It's where Gravity Falls was originally shown. You guys have seen me wear my dipper hat in the show before. Every single night for the next seven weeks, I think, uh, is going to... It'll be the next six at this point. Six, yeah. It may be longer. In fact, in two weeks or so, we may find out if it keeps going on. Uh, From 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. For the the next 93 weeks. For the next 93 weeks, from 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., the channel Disney XD is transforming into sort of a late-night, Nick-at-night slash... Not wanting to, obviously, compare it to Nickelodeon because it's Disney, but it's more kind of like an adult swim, but for for the Disney XD brand. So they're calling it DXP, and it's all... Video game based, so obviously it's all targeted towards our generation, people that grew up playing video games. It's it's a move that I honestly think TV networks should have done five six years ago. You know, when the when G four first came out and all those networks, they were so far ahead of the game. But they just didn't have the right viewership. So finally, networks, I think, are going to start jumping on this. You'll see there's a show ESPN is doing a show on there. IGN doing content on there. The attack and other popular streaming websites doing stuff on there. And I have our show, which is every Saturday night at 9 p.m. It's the closest analog I've found so far is like it's a gaming variety show similar to Saturday Night Live a little bit because we're showing digital shorts and we're interspersing that with new guests that come on every single time and playing video games on the couch uh, with a live audience there.
2: It's a lot of fun. It's Disney too, so the guests are like celebrities from YouTube, they're professional athletes, there's all kinds of different people.
0: The first guest we had on was Nolan Gould who plays Luke on Modern Family and that guy is, I, you know, it's the Hilarious. same thing. Hilarious. But we're we'll also talking about the the whole like, you know someone's a legit athlete or whatever when they do something for just a little bit you can tell. Like if someone plays Magic and they tap their cards on you're like, ah, he's not playing right. He's not. He hasn't played Magic for that long. She hasn't played Magic for that long. But Nolan starts talking about League of Legends and stuff. I'm like, this kid has like a billion <laughs> followers on every social network and he's nerding out about, you know, Top Lane. <laughs> and, top Awesome. Which is awesome, yeah. We had Carl Anthony Towns is going to be in the future episode, the Minnesota Timberwolves' first pick. I think he's going to be the next. Also LeBron. Also, about twenty-seven feet tall. Yeah, seven foot one. The next LeBron.
2: Wow. I think so. Who can box
0: this kid out? He's pretty
2: good. Tell me. He's huge. He's huge. If you've never been around a seven-foot-tall person, it's as if. They're a different species. They're so, it's crazy how it big is that crazy. is. It is crazy.
0: I i said this, and I, did re, I i realized I had to expand it, but I was like, there's no one within the 2,000-mile radius that's as big as this person. I was like, no, there's no one within, like, a 10,000-mile. He might be one of the biggest people in the world, <laughs> and I'm standing right next to him. Pretty that cool. picture
2: of you is funny, because you come up to, like, I don't know, the middle of the dragon on my shirt. Yeah, like, it's like, and I'm like, oh! <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's called Polaris Primetime. It's on Saturdays from 9 p.m. until... What time? 3, 3. a.m. Well, it's it's an hour
0: long show, and there's content every night at 9 p.m. I would encourage you guys to just watch the channel if you're interested in seeing what the contents like. There's like a gameplay show; and it's a half hour every night. There's all sorts of different stuff, and you know, even if all the content isn't for you, there's probably something in there that you'll like as a gamer. So, I encourage you to check it out.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a great way also to expose yourself to some stuff that you wouldn't have found out about otherwise, because all yeah. the time I, I'm, you know, when like Jimmy, I know you like this stuff. I like right. Mm-hmm. So when you like something. Pretty much, there's a really good chance that I'm going to like it, too. So that's yeah. kind of, I think, how shows like this work. Uh, pretty exciting, oh, man. I'm very proud have, of you. If, it's uh, pretty uh, awesome. Thank you.
0: If you have YouTube TV in one of the four major cities, I think it's New York, L.A., Chicago, and one other one, you can also see it on there. Wow. You're not going to be able to avoid it. Uh, I
2: hope not. You better not avoid it. We need the ratings. <laughs> please <laughs> All watch. Right. Yeah. Please check it out. Support Jimmy. Uh, we're super proud of you, dude. That's awesome. All right. I don't, I'm. don't. You know what else is awesome? <laughs> The,
0: ma- <laughs> awesome. you should just stop saying the word
2: awesome. You know what else is awesome? The Masters of Modern Podcast. <laughs> podcast. I'm not. Uh, it sounds like I'm making fun of them. I'm not. I'm making, no, you're not. Because they are truly awesome. They are awesome. I didn't know what else was awesome until you told totally me. <laughs> so thank you for informing me. The Masters of Modern podcast is our sister podcast, Alex Hessler and Ben Bateman. They talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. Yep. You should definitely check those dudes out as well. They're really smart, and they know a lot of things about modern. I even listen to the show and I don't even play it. So, modern, I mean. Yeah. So, there you go. That's how good it is.
0: It's great, though. They talk about all sorts of stuff. Sometimes they do,
2: like, tournament prep. You know, like stuff like oh, that, yeah, that. I love stuff like that. Where, yeah. And they'll have a pro on to talk about Limited every once in a while or something yeah. like that. And also Ben recently got into Commander. So they talk about Commander a little oh, bit. Oh, that's
0: right. So ben built his first Commander deck that and makes me feel beat proud. you he with took it. took me
2: down in an epic game. One of the great... It's just so fitting, of course, that the first time he really plays Commander would be like such a great game. Because the universe game. just wants to hook him into playing Commander. That's yeah. what that proved to me. Uh, anyway. Great, great guys. Make sure you check out... You know what else is great?
0: (laughs) Or awesome. Our editor. Terry Robertson. I don't know if you all saw our GP Vegas episode, but Terry shot... 90% of the footage in that episode. And I would check it out. You know, we did a great job covering all of GP Vegas. You get to see what it... It really is a nice trip to see what Vegas was all about, whether or not you should come out next time. Hint, hint, you should. Uh, But yeah, a big thanks to Terry, as always, being the editor of the show, making the video versions that you can see at youtube.com slash thecommandzonepodcast. We talked about a lot of cards this episode, so Terry put in a lot of hours to get all those cards up in your face so you can read them, because we don't always explain them very well. Like, my man Echo's explanation this episode was... God awful. It
2: makes a lot of mana. That's all you need to know. Yeah,
0: it just it makes a ton of mana. I may not even really know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Sharing creature types add some mana. All right. Another big thanks to Jeffrey Palmer, who we met at GP Vegas at Living Cards MTG on Twitter. He is the number one guy to go to if you want to see some awesome card animations. He's worked for channel Fireball now, Wizards, Us. He did that new animation of the
2: game, game nights. nights. Oh, uh, yeah. Logo. Make sure
0: you check out the last episode of Game Nights. It's a little bit slow on the views because it was released during a holiday week.
2: Yeah, it's still doing okay. But yeah, you should check it out if you haven't seen it. Uh, we we'll yeah. play the Commander Anthology with Cassius Marsh. Yep, and uh, our buddy Josh Kim. So check that out. And that's it. No segue. No segue. So we just end the show at some point. Okay. You know what else ends the show? <laughs> I gotta, I gotta think of a new uh, segue. Besides, you know what else? You know what else? Blah blah blah.
0: Yeah. You know what's a good way to end the show? By saying, see you guys next time.
1: Thank you for your attention. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com.